0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Wonderful to be with you once again. And uh, hey, quite a lot's happened since I last preached a sermon. Kara um, and I have had a baby. Eden Ray Esther Smith has entered the world, and uh, she's amazing, and we love her, and she's keeping us up at night. Um, we're so grateful for our church family because, well, we have been fed very well. Um, honestly, it's amazing. Every day, someone pops around with a meal, and it's you're, you're kind of like at your end, you know, you're like really tired and thinking of what to cook in the evening is the last thing you really want to do. So we're so grateful. I was chatting with a friend um, last week who doesn't go to church, isn't involved in the community like, like that. And has kids, and I was just talking about this meal train, and they were like, what? What are you talking about? People just cooking you food? I was like, yeah. And it's just moments like this that you're just so grateful for the church, man. Just so grateful for community. And uh, I know how loved Eden is already. So I'm so thankful for your prayers. And uh, I can't wait for you all to meet her one day soon, hopefully. Um, but here we are, we're in the building again. Uh, we're, we're we're back and things are slowly moving forward and it's it's exciting and yet there's still so much turbulence and confusion and uncertainty. And so I wanted to share a message today that really in some respects follows on from where Jen Left off last week, which was amazing. thank you, Jen. Um, Jen talked about the gap you know like and who we are in the gap and, and I, I thought that was so beautiful and so powerful and god 's been speaking to me about um, a scripture through a scripture for the last few weeks that really is so so kind of similar in it, in its context and so I think there 's something for us i think i 've got a word for us and for our church this morning so let 's dive into the scriptures. God, we thank you for your scriptures we thank you for these for these pages, Lord, that show us what it means to be human and show us what it means to know you and follow you and what it means to be someone who walks in step with the divine, in step with the spirit, living in, in depth, living in union. God, we thank you. And Lord, this morning I just asked for Lord, ask for breakthrough, ask for eyes to be opened as, as the Apostle Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened as we dive in. I'm going to read from Genesis, um, go all the way back to the beginning, uh, Genesis chapter 28, beginning from verse 10. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to explore the life of Jacob, and I'm going to bring a little context to you just before I jump into the scripture, um, because it's a fascinating story, a story that many of us know, um, but a little bit of context behind it is helpful. So, Jacob is the son of Isaac. And you might all uh, remember the story. Isaac is the son of Abraham. So Abraham is a man who's left this context of his father's house, tribe, religion, belief, gods, and has gone in search of a city whose architect is God. And God makes this covenant with Abraham that through Abraham he will birth a nation. And um, there's this whole incredible story of faith for Abraham in which he conceives a son um, through his wife, uh, gives birth to, to their son Isaac, who's like the son of the of the promise of God. And um, it's just a phenomenal story. And where we are now is Jacob, the. Son of Isaac has just really done something that is so dishonoring and so kind of turbulent in terms of the story of his lineage. He has stolen the birthright of his older brother Esau. So Isaac had two sons Jacob and Esau and Jacob one day is at home cooking some food. Isaac's out hunting Isaac's this hairy hunter of a man, comes home from from hunting and he's famished. He's really hungry. He's hangry. We all know what that's like. And Jacob's cooking and he says to Jacob, give me some of your food. And Jacob says, well, I'll give you some food if you give me your birthright. If you give me the blessing of from the father that is destined for the older son. And Esau, in his hunger, does that. And he gives it to Jacob. And this is an act of deception from Jacob in which he... He takes the birthright from his brother. Fools his father, who's old and, and, and losing his eyesight. He dresses up as his older brother. So his, his father's fooled into thinking it's Esau and he blesses him and he takes the birthright from his brother. He fools his father. And now the story begins with him effectively on the run, running from his brother and in many respects running from God because he's a man that is troubled in his soul, right? He's a man that's running from something much deeper than just like a physical threat. And that's where the story begins, that's, that's where we find ourselves in the So verse 10, it says this, Jacob left Bathsheba. So he left the town that he was from. He was leaving his tribe and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven Be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I'll bring you back to this land, this land that Jacob is running from. I'll bring you back. Um, And then Jacob, and then sorry, the Lord says, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then Jacob woke up from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone he'd put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz, so he renamed it Bethel. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I can come again to my father's house in peace, because he's not in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. Oh, this story is so good and it's so powerful for this moment right now, okay? Jacob is on the run and he's in between these two places. He's left one place, but he's not arrived at the next place, right? He's on his journey, he's on pursuit, he's running. And then he stops. It just says he stops in a certain place. There's no real reason why he stops there other than the fact he's tired and the night is drawing in. The day is coming to its end. And for a man on the run, that kind of dictates your actions and your movements. It's time to stop running, Jacob. The night has fallen. It's time to stop running. And there's something about this story, there's something about Jacob's story which feels like the Word of God for us where we are right now in our story because this year has been so turbulent and yet, things move forward. We're not where we were three months ago, right? In March, like we're not on a sort of meta-narrative. We're not in the the trauma and the chaos and the challenge of the initial moment that this virus just shook everything, right? I mean, we're back in this building. You know, just just as a sort of a practical, physical sort of image of things progressing, we're back in this building but by no means are we at the end of the journey. We're still in a very serious, difficult time. And I'm preaching to an empty room right now, you know, so we're not gathered back here. Just using that as a metaphor, we're not gathered back. Like it's not a place of completion, but we are moving forward. We're in between two places. Now I'm just referencing COVID here, like as a meta narrative, but it's true for us all in our individual lives where we're between one place and another, perhaps for you, it's a specific promise that's on your life. Perhaps it's a work element that you've been grafting for, grinding for, for a long time, and it's not there yet. Perhaps it's it's a relationship where it was very difficult, no way out, hopeless, and now there's, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel, but you're not there. You don't feel complete peace. Perhaps it's finances, I don't know what it is you in particular, but I know that for all of us, there's, there's an element of that, right? Between these two spaces. And Jacob is between these two places, but he stops because the night comes in and he's tired and it's time to rest. And there's something about the night where the night just leads us into a place of surrender. You're busy all day. You're doing everything that you're doing all day. Like life is just what it is. And then this, the night comes and you climb into bed and you go to sleep for like, well, <laughs> for, for most people like eight hours, not so much care and I right now, but you get into bed and you go to sleep and you lie, prostate, you lie down like you haven't done all day just cause it's dark and you're tired. It's literally this posture of surrender. I heard a mystic say bowing is the liturgy of the body, right? You actually, your body changes to reflect this state of surrender and Jacob stops running, yes, physically, but perhaps metaphorically as well, right? There's something in him, he's a man on a run, he's not a man at peace, but he stops because of the night and he stops in this kind of seemingly empty place, this desolate place, this place without meaning, you know? It was, in, it was, a Luz was the Canaanite name for this area that he was in and he stops there and he finds a stone and he makes it a pillow That's not on good night's sleep. He puts the, the stone down. He puts his head on the stone and then he has this dream. And this dream is so poetic. Man, it's such a stunning image. A ladder rooted in earth, going up to heaven, angels ascending and descending. And then in it all, God speaks to him. And God reaffirms the cover. I'm getting goosebumps right now. Just God reaffirms the covenant he gave not only to his father but his grandfather Abraham. He said to Abraham, your descendants will be as countless as the stars in the sky. And he says to Jacob, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. They'll be everywhere. He's reaffirming the blessing of his family line and yet Jacob is a man on the run and a man out of peace you know he's not centered and God is reaffirming Jacob this is who you are and he says Jacob you will return to the land of your father the land that you're running from in peace God blesses him right in Jacob's state of surrender he's able to be reaffirmed as who he always was right he's reminded about what's always been true And then he wakes up, oh this is, honestly man, this is like one of my just favorite moments in the Scriptures right now. It's like, blessing me so much, he wakes up and he says, surely God is in this place and I did not know. Surely God is in this place and I did not know. And there's something about being between two spaces where we get transfixed on this future idea of who we're gonna be and what life is gonna be like to validate where we are now, right? So I grew up in a church environment and look, this is not this isn't me being cynical, this isn't me trying to like, you know, throw shade towards the idea that there is a there is a move of God coming. I just grew up in a time, in in a church culture that was very much, there is a revival coming. You know, God's going to do something or God is going to show up at some point. And I believe that all of, I believe that there's something new coming. I believe that Jen referenced it last week. I believe it. However, it can sometimes rob us of the truth that God is here now, but we didn't recognize it. It was us that didn't know it and it's actually up to us and our attentiveness and our ability to stop and surrender to be fully aware of and awake to the presence of God here right now the ladder from heaven to earth angels descending and ascending surely God is in this place and yet I didn't know it why sometimes we don't know it because we're too transfixed on what it's going to look like when God shows up or when this revival happens. The word revival simply means a time in which things, people, land is revived. I don't wanna wait for a revival. I wanna be revived right now. I want this land to be revived right now. I wanna stop talking about revival as something that's coming And start talking about revival as something that's happening because it's based upon our awakeness, our alertness. God had to put Jacob to sleep to keep him awake. He was awake, but he was asleep. So he had to go to sleep to actually wake up. Wake up to the voice of God. Wake up to the reality of heaven is coming down right now. This isn't Jacob's ladder. This is God's ladder. And it's rested upon every person's back. And we witness it to the point that we surrender to the night that we allow, as we do when it gets to that point in the night where it's dark, we allow ourselves to rest and surrender in stillness and solitude and meditation and prayer to be aware of God is in this place right now. And we start praying prayers like God, Awaken me to what you're doing right now, rather than God, would you show up? You know, no, no, you're here already, but awaken me to what you're doing already. That Cara and I have had like this whole, you know, our our life has been turned upside down by this little bundle of seven pound 14 joy who arrived, you know. And our night times have become, as all you parents know, like very different to how they were before. and it, someone gave us this advice. They were like, hey, make sure you guys watch a box set. Make sure you have a box set ready to watch because the night's blurring into the day and it might be three in the morning. You just need to put on something just to like laugh and then fall asleep. And then, you know, so we started watching the UK, the US office, love the UK office, but we started watching the US office and we, we've loved it. We've watched it all the way through a few times. And this is episode, doesn't matter if you haven't seen it, but there's this episode where the office go out for like his office party. There's like, Ridiculous award ceremony at a bar, restaurant in America called Chili's. If you've been to Chili's, no explanation needed. The UK alter- uh, a sort of version of it would be like a Weatherspoons, you know? You know what you're getting when you go to Weatherspoons, right? And they're in this Weatherspoons kind of spot doing this ridiculous award ceremony for the office. And the receptionist wins the award for the whitest trainers. That's kind of awards we're talking about, right? They mean nothing. But she gets up there and she receives the award like she's receiving an Oscar, right? And she gets up and she goes, I just want to thank God for this award. And she pauses and she says, I feel God in this Chili's tonight. I feel God in this Wetherspoons tonight. And like the scene moves on, but I was watching it like tired, holding my baby like, oh snap. That's the word of God. It means something. There's something. There's a there's a weight to it. I feel God in this weather's boons tonight. I feel, he's right right now. I feel him. It's like few few hours later. I like three in the morning, and I'm changing Eden's nappy, and it's a big one. You know what I'm talking about. It's a big one, it's loaded. And I change it and I'm so tired. She's like squirming around. I get the new baby grow out, I get the new nappy out. I'm just putting it on, put a baby grow next to her. And then she starts peeing everywhere. <laughs> all over the changing mat, all over the new nappy, all over the new baby grow. So I change it all again and I'm so tired. And like Kara's just waking up and I look over at Kara and she looks at me and I just said, I feel God in this chilies tonight. Woo. He's here right now. And hear me out, it's not because I feel this spectacular, angelic presence suddenly fill the room. No, no, no. I'm just saying what is true, but I so often miss. I'm just, I so often miss the fact that he's in this moment right now, the moment I'm praying for him to invade. He's already here. He's already here. I feel God in this moment tonight. And it just gets so powerful because a couple chapters later, and you guys know this story well, but a couple chapters later, Abraham is again alone. It says, when he was left alone in the night, a man came and wrestled him. It's like two chapters later. It's in uh, chapter 32, uh, verse from around verse 23. I won't read it all for time, but this man rocks up and he wrestles Jacob and it says they wrestle all night all night, that's exhausting. I, uh, I have my little sister married um, her husband, obviously, uh, who's three years younger than me. And he is a mountain of a man. He's this huge rugby playing Yorkshireman who is a lot bigger than I am. Um, and so every time we get together, obviously we have to wrestle, right? Cause I'm the older brother and I've got to like prove a point. Um, but you know, I met him when he was like 14, and he was already three times my size. But honestly, every time we get together, we wrestle which is just, just for fun, but it's, it's kind of not that fun. It actually really hurts. And uh, we wrestle for like 15 minutes and we're both exhausted at the end of it. We wrestle until one of us taps out, usually me. And, but we're so tired after 15 minutes. Jacob, this man just starts wrestling Jacob and they wrestle all night, right? They wrestle all through the night. And then it says, as the morning was breaking, the man says to Jacob, let me go. And Jacob says, no, I will not let you go until you bless me. It's a profound like story. I won't let you go until you bless me. And then he says to Jacob, he he says to the man, what is your name? And he says, why do you ask me what my name is, right? And then what the man does is he says, I'm going to rename you. Why? Because you have wrestled with God. He is God. And he renames Jacob and he blesses Jacob. And then he touches Jacob's hip and he puts it out of socket so that for the rest of his life, Jacob walks with a limp, right? That the limp that Jacob has is synonymous with the blessing that God gave him. In the process, God renamed him from this, Jacob the deceiver, the trickster, the fraudster. He renames him to become Jacob, the man who wrestled with God, which means the name literally is Israel. He names the nation, the one who wrestles with God. If you read the scriptures and you associate with the essence of Israel, the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, and look, I don't believe that the church replaces Israel. I don't believe that, but I do believe that the story of Israel is synonymous with the story of the church, that we can read the story of the Hebrews walking through the desert and recognize that what they learned, we must learn. What they didn't do, we must do, right? Well, the nation of Israel is called the one who wrestles with God. To be a follower of Yahweh is to be one who wrestles with God. Jacob wrestled with God through the night and he was blessed. Why was he blessed? Because Jacob had the insight to see that the man that he was wrestling with was the divine. He was Allah and he was awake. Jacob was renamed because he was present to this moment that was far deeper and meaningful and purposeful than what it was actually presenting at the surface of it. This wasn't just a fight. This wasn't just like a wrestle. This was an intimate moment with the God of his father and his grandfather and he would not let God go until he was blessed. And then he was, he was for the rest of his life He walked with the scar, the limp to prove it. So often we think that a blessing is what, a blessing is the absence of an imperfection or the absence of a problem. So often our blessings are synonymous with our problems because they reveal our intimacy and our connection with God within it, within the turmoil. There isn't a revival coming that's gonna make you someone you aren't already. It's like marriage. You can't get married to fix your relational problems or your personal issues. Marriage isn't gonna fix that, right? Revival isn't gonna fix that. God is here right now. And what he wants more than anything is a people who are so attuned to him that they would be ones that wrestle with him. You know, I preached this sermon a few weeks ago where we talked about prejudice, we talked about race. We got really, really specific. That was a moment for us to wrestle. When we look at what's in our heart that isn't reflective of the kingdom, it's like, okay, it's time for turmoil. It's time for wrestling with God. It's time for healing of our heart. That for me, That's revival man, a church waking up to ignorance and prejudice, that's revival. It isn't meetings in this building, that doesn't define revival. Revival is a heart that is awoken to the point that every millisecond of every second of every minute of every hour of every day we're saying God is in this place and I'm aware of it, He's here right now, the ladder from heaven and earth is everywhere, right? We are practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence, who wrote this book, The Practice of the Presence of God, a humble monk who gave his life to peeling potatoes for the glory of God said, we must not be concerned about doing small things, but you know, because as if it's insignificant. Don't be concerned about doing small or big things. Just do ordinary things with great love. Infuse love into everything that we do. Everything is an opportunity to practice the presence of God. God isn't, look, I'm gonna finish with this. God isn't looking for leaders. God isn't looking for showmen, showwomen. God isn't looking for ministry leaders. God is looking for people who turn stones into pillows and then pillows into pillars. God's looking for people to take tables and turn them into altars. God is looking for people to make a moment out of changing a nappy into an opportunity to serve and celebrate the presence of God in that moment. May we wake up. Thomas Merton said, a man, a woman finds their purpose when they stop looking for the life they were born to live and just start Living it. Just start practicing the presence of God. Paul said, do you not know? You are the workmanship, the poetry of God. It's already started, it's already here. Let me end with this, Father, would you wake us up? Lord, if you need to put us to sleep to wake us up, may it be the case, Lord. May we take time to meditate, to pray, to be silent in solitude, that we would see the ladder from heaven to earth. God, open our eyes. Surely God is in this place. God is in this place. May we be a church that is aware and awake in your name I pray. Amen.